This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along as always, and thank you for joining us. Wow, this morning I got an email that was just heartbreaking where a parent told me of her 20-year-old son who just got arrested for having sexually explicit pictures on his telephone that were illegal. And it just broke my heart when I read that email. It just shredded me because I hate seeing lives destroyed because of this. And this is not an anomaly every week. People in the church, pastors, Sunday school teachers, youth ministers are being arrested for child porn or for doing something illegal like sexual, you know, sexual abuse or um, even rape at times. I've seen articles like that. So the porn epidemic continues to surge in the church. It continues to destroy lives. And one big reason that I talk about, we talk about sex so much on this program is because so many lives are being destroyed and so much is at stake. And this is not just a problem where, well, help me to stop looking at bad pictures. It affects the marriage. It affects everything. It affects the family. So on that note, I'm going to introduce my guest today. I have Josh and Sydney Phipps calling in from Texas. Thank you both for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. Glad to be on. Yeah, and I always like to have a couple on when I can, and it's it's rare because um, it's not always easy to get a couple at the same time, but thank you both for being willing to do this. Absolutely. So for our, listener, <clears throat> for our listeners, for the next two weeks, today and a week from today, we will have this couple on, so... Let's get started, and Josh, uh, have you start by beginning to share your story. Sure. So um, I was raised in a rural Oklahoma town in a Baptist family and grew up in church. Um, as my earliest memories, some of my only memories as a child are either in church or at church camp, and um we went to church on Sunday, but um, that was about it. I didn't really, um, you know, a relationship with God was kind of foreign to me, and it wasn't, it was kind of explained as, well, you pray the prayer, and you become a Christian, and that's your relationship with God. There wasn't a daily walk and, and daily prayer time, and, you know, it was just read the Bible and try not to do bad things. And I'm sure a lot of people uh, grew up that way, and and it wasn't um, 
very long. I think I was five when I first started to look at not pornography, but um, I found a J.C. Penny magazine of my mom's, and I would I remember hiding behind the couch, um, looking at that magazine in the bra and lingerie section, and um, you know as a as a very young child, maybe four or five years old. My parents divorced when I was eight. Um, I experienced physical and emotional abuse from an early age um, up until my parents divorced and and we moved to Texas, um, which thank God for that. You know, God, God knew because that's where I met Sydney, my wife, and we met in fourth grade. But um, so fast forward to 12 years old, we're in Texas at that point, And um, my mom bought a computer for us boys to use for homework and, you know, things. Because at that time, if you didn't have a computer, you weren't cool. And, and all the cool kids were getting computers. And so we had to be some of the cool kids. So anyway, my mom, you know, naive as most parents were in that time, um, 20 years ago, um, put it in my bedroom and, you know, it wasn't very long after that, that I found pornography on the internet and kids were talking about it at school. I remember in middle school, um, some kid giving me a website to go to like, Oh, you have to go to this website. And I thought, Oh, okay. You know, innocently not even realizing what it was going to be. And I, typed it in when I got home that day and sure enough it was pornography and that was the beginning of about a 15 year struggle with pornography so um, Sydney and I started dating in sophomore year of high school we were 16 I think we just turned 16 and uh, both coming from porn addiction um, you know, we were very sexual. Um, we found ourselves sort of looking back on it now, acting out the pornography that we had seen from early ages on each other. And all the while going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night at youth group and, and just living in sin. Um, so it was very toxic, our relationship from the beginning. Very, I was very possessive and angry, and I, you know, my dad struggled with anger growing up, and and I had three, two stepdads after my dad that were both also abusive, physically and emotionally. So it was just, um, you know, bad examples from the beginning of how to behave as a man and and how how to be a Christian man. Um, you mentioned sure. you mentioned abuse. What did that look like? Well, I I don't want to. In case they end up listening to this, um, I don't want to give too much detail. But there was uh, at one point CPS was involved, and um, you know we my brother and I had been um, spanked is a light term, beaten is probably the more accurate term, for um, a piece of gum 
that was in the floor by the trash can. It didn't make it quite into the trash can, and um, they thought that we were lying about it, and so they determined that it was worth, uh, you know, bruised bottoms. And so my and brother and I also were... also, at an early age for Josh, he had to call the cops on one of his stepdads to save his mom's life. Oh. And that was a pivotal moment for him yeah. in kind of looking finally to a male figure that he could look up to, which were police officers, because finally a male had come into his life that was a rescuer and not an abuser. Um, yeah. And he had to shift from, like, the little boy of the family to, like, man of the family. He was his, mo- his mother's protector from an early age. Mm. Yeah, that was about age 12, age 13, right about the same time that I found pornography. And I had been given a phone also for Christmas. And the very next January, so not even a month later, I wake up to my mom screaming. And she yells, I'll never forget it as long as I live. She yells, Joshua, if you're awake, call 911. And, uh, you know, God was there because my brother was asleep. My stepbrothers were asleep. And um, I was very wide awake and was able to call 911. And and she was uh, taken to the hospital that night and stayed there for a couple of days. It was rough. And, uh, you know, looking back on it now, I... I know that I was self-medicating with porn. Mm. It was my comfort. It was the thing that I could do that nobody knew about and that my mom had kind of made um, normal to me. I remember we, she took my computer because she realized it was a problem, so she took it downstairs and put it in the family room. And she caught me a couple of times looking at it in the family room. And I remember her commenting something to the effect of, you know, uh, Josh, you don't need to do that down here. Just take care of it, you know, in your private space, in your bedroom, or, you know, basically, like, this is normal. Um, just don't do it in the family room. And so that was kind of the lens with which I looked at it as well. She told my dad and um, asked him to have a conversation with me. I was probably 14 at this time, and I remember the extent of the conversation was we were on the way to the deer lease and my dad said, Hey bud, your mom said she caught you looking at porn. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, that's not healthy. It's not a good image of true love and, and sex. That's, it's a perversion. And I said, yeah, I know. He said, so you won't look at it anymore. And I said, no, I won't. I'm, I've gotten better, you know, or I just shrugged it off basically to him. And that was the extent of the conversation. So mom was saying it's okay. And <clears throat> dad was saying, don't do it. Yeah. So he was saying that it's not healthy and, you know, you shouldn't do it. And mom, my mom was saying, you know, it's, it's normal. You're a teenager, you have hormones and, you know, kind of from the scientific perspective of mm. you have all these things going on in your body and I don't know how to really parent you and, 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 uh, steward you, you know, in this, in this way. And there was, there was so much going on. I mean, we were struggling just to survive. So it wasn't like my mom had time to 
sit down with me and go through biblical um, studies and and give me sound wisdom. She was she was doing her best just to keep the lights on at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and after the life threatening situation, did Mom walk away from the yes. man man who hurt her? Yes, he. Uh, finally, that relationship was over, and there had been abuse before that that I didn't know about. Um, I came, my brother and I came home from my dad's when we would go every two weeks and stay the weekend. Uh, and we came home. She was, uh, my stepdad had picked us up because she was not able to leave the house. She, he had beaten her so badly. Mm. But we thought that she was sick, and she told us that she was sick. I remember coming home. And she was lying on the couch, and she just said that she was sick. But she later told us that he had come home drunk, and, and alcohol was his thing. Uh, he had had—the night that I called 911, he had had, I think we counted, 20-something beers that we that we threw away the next morning. Mm. Um, us kids, me and my brother, we boxed it all up and took it to the dumpster. So that was— you know, something, a lot of things that, that no kid should have to experience or do. Um, you know, and of course there's no excuse for for the way that I was as a child, but, you know, it gives you an idea of kind of um, the examples that I had set before me. And another side note I just thought about, my stepdad was watching porn the night that I called 911. He was drunk in the, in the office watching porn. And my mom confronted him, and and they thought for this is so ironic. It's all coming back to me. Um, they were fighting about her image, and she was begging him to just come to bed and quit watching the porn that he was watching in the office. Mm. And he was refusing to do that. Yelled at her, called her names, and was telling her that she's not good enough and her body isn't, you know, good enough. And, and it's funny, I, I had not thought about that until just now, but that was the conversation before it got physical. Um, yeah. So fast forward, um, Sydney and I got married in 2013. So yeah, 10 years ago, um, almost will be 10 years married this year. And um, struggled with pornography. It, you know, you think, and everybody says this, you think when you get married, it's going to be the fix all, the end all. Um, I won't struggle with porn because now I'll have regular intimacy. And boy, is that a lie from the pit of hell. Um, for any new marrieds or about to be married couples, and I would just caution them to get everything out on the table from the beginning. Uh, because we didn't, and I remember Sydney walking down the aisle on our wedding day, and I was crying, but I wasn't crying because, of course, she was beautiful, and, and it was a beautiful moment, but I wasn't crying for those reasons. I remember the thoughts that were going through my mind as I was crying were, um, she doesn't know who she's marrying. She doesn't know that I still struggle with this thing, and that it's, you know, it's an addiction, and... So that was something that really sticks out. Um, and then we uh, struggled for really the first 
five years of our marriage and had some knockdown drag out fights. Um, and most of them, you know, I was the, the, uh, subject matter. My addiction was the subject matter of the argument. And, you know, porn for me, it caused a lot of anger as well. I feel like, I don't know if this is scientifically or psychologically true, but I feel like anger and porn are kind of, uh, hand in hand. And my, by the same token, when my anger problem was dealt with, my porn problem was dealt with, and it seemed to be in the same time frame. But I was very angry, um, very just I would lash out, and and it never physical or, you know, uh, I never was physical, just to be Never clear. physically toward me, but physically toward objects, maybe a door, yes. or he crushed a cane right. one time and cut his hand open, or yes. punched a wall, or just would, his door had so many screws in it, his truck door, from him, like, having to repair the door from him slamming it so hard yeah. so many times. Yes, I had a huge anger problem. And so I remember, you know, us having these um, arguments, and uh, one night Sydney was just, I'll never forget um, two times that she really put her foot down. And one was, I, uh, I can't do this anymore. And I didn't understand the betrayal that the wife feels whenever the husband is addicted to porn. I didn't understand. I, you know, like I said, I've been raised to think this is somewhat normal and every guy does it. And, you know, it's just part of living in the 21st century. There's no way around it. And um, I never realized the betrayal that she felt. And I still, I mean, there's no way really as men we can understand that level of betrayal that they feel when it's just constant. It's every time she asked and she would confess, I would confess um, that betrayal would come again. And so she said, I'm, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. And then another time she said, um, I will not have your children if, you know, this is, if this continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart to say it because I mean, we had been together for so long. We'd known each other since fourth grade. We both knew about each other's porn addiction. I had a porn addiction. I, that's why I'm on coming on the show as well. But um, it it ripped my heart out to say that. And God is so good because now we have two beautiful children and he's redeemed so much. But I just remember that moment was for me to go for the gut. Like, hey, listen, I cannot do this with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Our knight in shining armor, um, his name was Dustin. I won't say his last name, but he knows who he is. And um, A mentor. A mentor of ours that, that we found through mutual friends. And God's grace brought this older man, gray beard kind of individual, um, into our, we lived in an RV at the time. And he drove 20 minutes. And it was late at night. It was probably when God didn't two. bring him. I called out of desperation because well, I realized, sure. oh no, we're headed for for divorce. Finally, here it is, nail in the coffin. But then I, as a last ditch effort, I just called Dustin and said, "Hey, Dustin, we're saying things that I don't think we're going to come back from. Is there any way you can help?" And then he hopped in his truck right away and drove. 
to us, which was about a 30-minute drive. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll never forget, I had gone to bed angry, and um, he came in. I heard him coming, and he sat down on the bed at the end of the bed, and I just remember my heart melted. And uh, from there... Well, I remember he said, get up. He just, he put his hand on your leg, and he said, get up. And I'm down there, like, heartbroken and crying, and... Yeah, yeah, Josh got up and we came and sat down and he kind of had like the first, both Josh and I both, you'll find out, didn't really have awesome father figures. And so Dustin was like that dad who finally sat down with us with love and compassion and patience. And he said, you guys are so close. You guys are so close to breaking out of this thing. And I remember thinking, there's no way. There's no way. You have no idea. We've hurt each other too much. We've been through too many cycles of confession and toxicity. But then he was speaking life for the first time. And he knew everything about us, about the addictions. And Mm. yeah, I think Josh at that point finally felt some peace and like that fatherhood that he could rest in, I guess you would say, babe. Yep. Yeah, and so from there, Dustin took me under his wing, and uh, he gave up his date night. His date nights with his wife were usually Monday nights, but he gave it up for six months to meet with me every Monday night. Sure, we missed a few, but um, he was just a rock that I could lean on in that difficult time of really a late coming of age, um, having to deal with, I'm a married man, I have a full-time job, um, I need to put on my big boy pants and, and figure this thing out because otherwise I'm going to lose it all. Mm-hmm. We didn't have much to lose, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it would have been everything that I had would have been, would have been lost. But yeah, and that was the beginning of healing from porn addiction, which was about five years ago. And then yep. I would say there have been hiccups and, and bumps along the way, but for the past four years, at least, I've been basically porn free. We got a couple minutes left, guys. So one thing I will interject, <clears throat> and once you mentioned about anger, being a part of porn, that is true, especially when guys or, or women or anyone starts coming off of that stuff. What we've been doing is suppressing our heart. For years, pornography hardens the heart and it suppresses the emotions. So once we start coming off of that drug, then all these emotions start coming to the surface and usually anger is one of the very first ones. So I'll say just really quick, I forgot a piece of the puzzle that um, we were in Colorado Springs with Sydney's aunt and uncle and he got a word of knowledge that I needed to forgive my father Mm. and he took me into his office and he said, I just want you to pray. I said, yeah, I want to forgive my dad. He said, okay, well, let's go in here. And we prayed. And he said, I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over your father. And in that moment, Mike, I just broke. I broke down. I had never thought a single thing of blessing for my dad. Mm. And it was so hard in that moment. But I remember the healing that I felt after I forgave my dad. Um, it was really that, and and we went through some inner healing in 2017. 
so about five years ago. Um, that and those two things were were really the catalyst for for change in my life and in my heart. And when you talk about the heart thing, that's that's what made me think of that was when my heart was truly softened. Um, Sydney noticed a difference mm. in in my life. So that must have felt very freeing, and that is such a critical part of the healing process, especially for those who have been abused. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, anyone who hasn't had that moment, who's been through abuse, um, yeah, we all need that that mm. moment. But um, even if it's not in person, I've never talked to my dad about anything that he did um, when we were growing up, but I've forgiven him in my heart. And to me, that's all that's necessary. Well, we're out of time, but I do want to invite you to join us next week when we will continue this conversation with Joss and Cindy. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.